Welcome to the Heal Podcast, where we believe God heals people in the way that brings Him the most glory and brings us closest to Him. Whether you've received healing, you're in the fight of your life, or you gave up on God a long time ago, you are welcome here. As you come to the table, listen with an open mind, knowing everyone's journey is unique, but pain is our common language. Hello, and welcome to the Heal Podcast. My name is Tara Bradham Denai, your host, and happy Thursday to you. I normally don't get to talk to you on Thursdays, so happy Thursday. We have a bonus episode for you today. It is a continuation of the episode that we published on Monday with Kimmy and Gabe Latham. So if you haven't listened to that one, go back, listen to that one. This one will kind of make sense without it, but just a warning, it jumps straight into their story. So it is really intense from the get-go. We're talking about really serious topics, talking about cutting and self-harm and suicide attempts, and then going into the demonic, and then talking about the gift of healing and what that looks like to walk in with God. So we are covering the whole gamut here. I think it is incredibly important to talk about, especially just the darker side of these spiritual things, just because While I do think there are all kinds of healing and all kinds of oppression, the demonic really is real. And I think the enemy of our souls very often in the U.S. likes to work in the fact that we like to think what is out of sight is out of mind. And therefore, because he's out of sight, he's out of mind. But the Bible says he is a real enemy and that we should be aware of his schemes and what is going on. And so sometimes demonic oppression does have a part to play in our healing. And I want to talk about all of that on this podcast. I don't want to shy away from that. And so I'm so grateful that Kami is sharing those parts of her story vulnerably, authentically, in hopes and prayers that it will help bring freedom to your life as well. Then Gabe hops back in, shares up part of his story and wraps up everything that we were talking about in episode one as well. So I think this is going to be a great episode for you, very unique. And please be praying for the Latham family. When I reached out to them about this episode, they just asked if we could be praying for them in this season of transition that they're in. So please pray for them as you listen. And here's Cammie and Gabe Latham. this point we've changed cities we've changed schools we've changed churches like so much change has happened mm-hmm. in the last couple of years and then I'm at school and I'm at a point in time where I wouldn't say I have like experience with drugs I do have experience with alcohol but like my drug experience is like medicine drugs not necessarily you know hard drugs and stuff like that so I would steal medicine from my grandmother and then just take them to get numb And it was my way of like dealing with all the mental and emotional pain because you can't really it's it's so unfair because you can't put a band-aid on it yeah you know like a cut and not justifying but explaining why people cut themselves you get to this boiling point where you're just you feel like you're about to burst and the painful relief that comes from that cut it's like a high and it's it's distracting for a couple seconds. So I was in school. I took like 29 pills. And um, it was like, yeah, it was a lot. Because I remember having, I used to like stick them in this little thing. And that day I had like more than that. 
and it was bursting at the seams as it was and I picked up the, like the the leftover ones that had like fallen in my purse and just took them all so I say 29 because I would always try to grab a specific amount of like 50 pills so I would remember and be able to gauge kind of gauge how many I had had in the span of time and whatnot so I'm guessing it was around 29 and I swallowed them all and I remember thinking immediately afterwards like oh my gosh I finally did it I finally done something right I'm gonna go to sleep and I'm never gonna wake up again and everybody's gonna be better for it and I was at, it was one of the days where I had to study in the afternoon at school and so I told the like the school nurse I was feeling sick and my mom came and picked me up and we were walking home and I don't know I just remember like the conversation being kind of weird on our way home. We lived like two minutes away from the school. And I remember telling mom like, oh, I feel so sick, I feel so tired. I just want you to know that I love you. And the one thing I regretted in that moment was not being able to see Gabe or dad. And I was talking to Gabe before you came. He had no idea of this story until today. Oh my gosh. I knew that you passed out of school once. I, I remember yeah. exactly the day that you passed out. I just don't remember anything else of that day. And I never heard any other stories. But so anyways, the day I passed out in school, it was because I had like starved myself for three days. And that had to do with like the ED. But anyways, I remember just profusely repeating myself. I love you, mom. I love you. I love you guys. I love you guys. I was like starting to feel like the fear was setting in. Like, I'm, am I going to go to heaven? Am I going to go? I'm, I don't know. I don't care anymore. And like, don't deserve heaven because I'm garbage. Like that was my total mindset of myself. I remember shutting my eyes and kind of like it was like I was sinking into the bed and then when I opened them I was like floating I don't know I was just in darkness so I couldn't tell you if I was floating or falling or standing on anything I don't remember that aspect I just remember being in this deep darkness and it was so dark I could like I could feel my body but I couldn't see any of it it was just black it was like I was in a void. And this voice said, this is the darkness inside of you that you are trying to fill. And you will never fill with anything other than me. You will never fill this with pills. You'll never fill this with cutting yourself, with people. It will never be filled unless you allow me to fill it. It wasn't like a judgmental voice. It was like a rebuke, but like a loving rebuke and it was intimidating for sure like I was scared out of my wits but I remember waking up the next morning like the next day it was what three o'clock in the afternoon I woke up the next day almost three o'clock in the afternoon like I missed school the next day I remember like what just happened there were no repercussions which mm -hmm. is insane there was no hospitalization there was nothing my mom just figured I was really tired and getting over some kind of like sick. So she let me stay home when she couldn't wake me up in the morning. Mm. But unfortunately, that didn't stop me from trying to commit suicide two more times. I guess this is from the standpoint of someone who has tried. You feel like a total failure. There's a mixture of relief where you're like, oh, it didn't work out. Like, I'm alive. But then you're like, man, I'm that much of a loser that I can't even like finish the job. And I ended up going through this really insane experience when I was 18 and I finally committed my life to Christ and understood like, oh my gosh, 
I am worth loving. And I remember after that experience, there had been like so much crying, so much screaming, like it was insane. The best way I can describe it is like an exorcism. And that's another story for like another time because it's so long. But my mom, she was so awesome in that moment. She's awesome in general. I mean, she's a singer in a rock band that did screamo. <laughs> Nice. And so we always knew we had the coolest parents. But then in that moment, I was like, this is from eyewitness accounts. I was throwing women across the room. Like women were trying to pin me down to the floor and I was just like tossing them off. My mom walks in through the room and I get pinned down to the ground. And she says, what are you guys doing? I have the authority in Christ as her mother. So let her go. She's going to be fine. And my mom literally picked me up off the ground and I was back. It was insane. Because she just like claimed that authority? Exactly. It was so awesome. I mean... Do you feel like you were oppressed? Possessed? <sighs> it's hard because it's so hard to tell the difference. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Because there's the story of Mary Magdalene where she had the seven demons inside of her, but she was also still kind of functioning in society, which I was functioning, but I was also on this like self-destructive path. And the voices I would hear, this is going to sound like I'm crazy, but I'm not crazy. <laughs> no, I, like, and I'll put a precursor like on the intro to this so people know it's coming, but like I 100% believe that there is a more real world than the world that we see. So, oh, 100%. I think this is very good to talk about. And like the voice that I was hearing, they were more there they weren't like voices, they were like thoughts. Mm -hmm. But they were just so loud in my head. And so the reason why I say possession rather than oppress I I believe it could have been both or it could have been one or the other. I don't know. But the reason I use the word possession is because Someone that was there that day, one of the women that was praying over me, she saw black smoke coming out of my mouth hmm. once it was, once my mom walked in. Wow. Which was weird, you know? And so after that moment, I walked into the bathroom and I was on suicide watch because I had tried to choke myself out. I was all scratched up. I had tried to slither out of the room. My clothes were like almost off. It was kind of crazy. I mean, no, it, so, it was really It sounds crazy. very demonic. It was, it was creepy, to say the least, for the Were other people. Were you coherent? So I could hear what was going on. It was the best way I can describe it is if I was in this room. Everything's going on out there, and I only have the people. So we're in a room that has a door with a little, tiny little window. And it's like, I'm in this room. Everything's happening outside, and I only have that window, and the door's locked. And no one can hear me. And I'm trying to get out and I'm trying to ask for help. And somebody's out there speaking for me. And I could hear the words that were coming out of my mouth. And I was saying, the voice that was saying, was speaking in like a deep, gravelly, like it was scratching my throat. I remember waking up the next morning, feeling like I had done an Ironman plus 18 sessions of CrossFit all in <laughs> one sitting and gone to a Screamo concert and done the Screamo. Like my throat was, oh my gosh. It's a very good description. But I remember after my mom like pulled me up and she hugged me and we prayed, I went to the bathroom. My makeup had run and all down my face and stuff. But it was so weird because I looked at myself in the mirror 
And for the first time since I was like eight, I was like, oh my gosh, I'm beautiful. Huh. Like it was this insane moment where I was like, I'm not disgusting. Cause I avoided mirrors, didn't like looking at myself. I would do my makeup like as a normal teenage girl, like doing myself up and stuff, but I like never felt beautiful. And so I have to ask because this is, I'm just so grateful to have found someone who's willing to talk about this and who, who's on the other side, right? Mm-hmm. And I think we need to be talking about this more in Christian circles. But do you think that some of this entered your life when the abuse started? Because I think I see that a lot in stories I've heard where like the demonic preys on abuse and things like that. And so it's like could have entered your life. But then like the authority of Christ, like we cast mm-hmm. it out later. This is just total question. Yeah, I don't know. Somebody asked me something along the lines of that. We were talking about one of my attempts, which was a time where I tried to jump out the window of our apartment. Preceding that attempt, that same night, I had a conversation with this dark entity in my room. It appeared in the corner. It was nonverbal in the sense that like, everything we were talking about was Mm thought-based. It was like it could read my mind and I could read its mind. It was so weird. And I don't pretend to understand any of this. I'm just speaking from the standpoint of like, this happened and I still struggle with like understanding how it happened. But we were talking about it and the person asked me, do you think like that's the point where the things came in? Because I heard a couple different people talking after the whole situation of when I got saved. Some people said three things came out. Some people were like, oh, I only saw one. Some people were like, I didn't see anything. I just saw that Mm. she completely changed. Because I was just drenched and completely covered by shame in that time. And I'm not saying that today I'm totally free of it. There's a marked difference. Yeah, there's a but there's a clear difference. Like just even in the way I would talk, the way I would look at people, I almost never raised my eyes to talk to people, and then like that changed, you know, in that experience. So now you might still have temptation, but I'm curious for someone like okay, you came to really know Christ. These things might have been cast out of you, for all Mm -hmm. we know. But what do you do now when you have that temptation, like that you're in Christ and you have the relationship with him? Do you take authority of that and say, you know, you're not welcome here in the name of Jesus? Like, what do you do in those situations now? I mean, I'm going to be brutally honest here. I did have points in time where I did take the authority and then more things happened, Hmm. especially in my college experience. Australia was awesome. I loved it. But so many damaging things happened while I was there. They didn't really have to do with like the church and everything. It was just certain situations that ended up happening that I felt like all the work I had done to get to the point where I was, where I was taking authority over those things and saying no, it was like broken down and stripped away Mm -hmm. from me. And so now... I'm in the process of rebuilding that. 
And sometimes I think it's good for people to hear, like, if well, you, yeah, because... like, it's warfare. Like, this isn't mm-hmm. just like, oh my yeah. gosh, like, it's, <laughs> this it's is not a very like, complex uh, things thing. Things get really, it's like, oh, okay, then after I got saved, nothing bad ever happened. Which, like, like, some no. people have that story, and that's amazing. Yeah. But also, like, this is a very real enemy, mm-hmm. and, like, he does not like the freedom that yeah. you're walking in. Like Exactly. It, and, like, I don't believe there are demons inside of me. I know that's not a fact, because... Where there is light, there cannot be darkness. And I know I'm filled with Christ, but that doesn't mean the devil can't whisper thoughts into my mind. Like one of the best examples of this, practically speaking, that I've seen in cinema lately was in Wonder Woman. So remember the first Wonder Woman movie? Uh They got Ares, the bad guy, and he says he never did any of the bad. He just whispered the ideas into the like, god the of evil. war or whatever. Yeah, and yeah. he whispers the ideas into the scientist's mind, and there's this scene where he's like kind of a shadow behind the guy, whispering the formula to make the super deadly stuff. Yeah, but he doesn't do it; the scientist does it, and that's exactly what the devil does with us. Because he had he can't touch us if we are with Christ and if we are filled with the Holy Spirit. He can't touch us, but he can whisper things into our minds and I have to say like there are times where I feel like a drug addict going through withdrawals and Mm -hmm. I'm writhing and sweating because something is saying you either need to punish yourself for something you've done cutting it comes from a context of punishment So you're this bad, you need to be punished. Or it can come from a context of distraction. Like just everything is so overwhelming, you need a distraction. And just nights of writhing and turning and tossing and turning and really fighting. Trying my best to not give in to a battle that I have fought against for so many years. And it's so crazy that we're talking about this today because Saturday... I'm going to be speaking at the Help Fest in Livingston on suicide from the perspective of someone that has attempted. And Gabe's going to be with me there to accompany me as like what it was like for him Mm -hmm. to go through that whole thing. Because a lot of people, I mean, obviously, the main center of a story when somebody talks about a suicidal attempt is the person who tried to commit it. But the best person to talk to somebody who has a sibling that's going through it is not exactly the person who's going through it, right. mm-hmm. but is the person who is accompanying somebody else. Now, years later, I can say that I am rebuilding that confidence in being able to fight against the enemy, fight against wrong mindsets. I'm, I feel much more equipped now to fight against those, those thoughts because for so many years, I had convinced myself that lies were truth. And now I know, okay, no, these lies, they are lies. Yeah. There is no truth in them. And that takes the fight a little bit further and the weight of the fight a little bit off because I'm not confused in trying to understand what is truth and what isn't. And so, I don't know, I guess to wrap up my story, I just want to say like to people dealing with mental health issues, people dealing with depression, ED, with abuse stories, healing doesn't stop. Healing is, it's a continuous thing, especially because part of it is forgiveness. 
And forgiveness is so hard in these instances because mm-hmm. most of the time, these people that have hurt us will never come back and say sorry. Yeah. You know, and if we try and wait for that all our lives we're just going to be waiting forever so i want to wrap it up with we've spoken about our parents and they're awesome and we are so so grateful for the threshold they've pretty much set before us of this missional heart and thankfully we're here where they started their mission probably over 30 years ago and we have been blessed with a team here that has received us so lovingly And we just want to thank the Goodman family. Right, Gabe? Yep. Thank you, Tobes. (laughs) Thanks, Sammy. And your kids, they're great. But Toby, he's the pastor, the campus pastor of our Manhattan campus. And this week he was preaching on 1 John 1, 5 through 10, and then chapter 2, verses 1 and 2. And it's the passage where John is speaking on how they've seen how God's grace operates. And it's not about... You asking for forgiveness, going back and living your life however you want it, and then going and repenting again. It's about repentance and then change from that repentance. And I wrote a little thing that was just kind of on my heart and where I felt I was at at that moment. And I just want to share that with you guys. So yeah, here goes. I am not myself in sickness. I'm not myself in darkness. I'm not myself in shadow. I was not made to live or thrive in these. They are not my natural home, which is why everything feels so wrong. Good doctors would never prescribe poison to their patients. A true parent would never give their child rocks when they ask for bread. Perfection is not in need of grace, and a body is not empty without a grave. It's the other way around. I will find who I am in health. I will find who I am in light. I will find who I am in colors of life. I was made to live and thrive and help others do the same. My natural home is in the arms of God. Everything is right when I'm home. And still, I act like a runaway child. A girl shamed by life and by my choices. Shamed and hurt by a lying world. Acting like the grace of God is good enough for everyone else but me. Acting like the grace of God can reach the ends of the earth, but I'm stuck in limbo, in the dark, excluded. My loneliness is so comfortable that I no longer miss communion. Depression's arms are so warm that I no longer can taste the bitter poison it feeds me. Shame's words have been said enough to blur the lines of truth and lies. In the midst of the noise and the chaos, somehow, I hear the voice of God whisper to me. Come home, come home, my love. Come to me when your strength fails you. Come to me to find what really is true. Come to me and lay in my arms, and I promise when you do so, there will be relief from all harms. My grace knows no limit. If you wish, you may find yourself in it. Come home, come home, my love. No need to fight. My love has already won. And... I wrote a little pause because I was like, okay, it stops at the invitation, but there needs to be a reply to that. And my reply is, I'll go, I'll go, drown myself in your grace, let my flesh lay in a grave, I'll go and I'll go. I want more than just waking up, 
I want to know more of your love. Wake me up and show me how to break through the nightmare and show me now how to be more than I am and more than I think. Existing isn't enough. I don't want to sink down, down, deep with the weight of my shame. Please take it away and call me by a new name. I'll come home. I'll come home to your love. I'll lay down my life because you've already won. And I guess to close off my story. Can I just say amen? Amen, yeah. (laughs) To close off my story, part of dealing with mental illness and everything is finding other ways to deal with it. And one of mine is writing. I've been a songwriter ever since I was little. And it was what I studied, majored in in college. And I still do it to this day. Do not be ashamed of asking for help. Going to a professional, it doesn't mean God isn't good enough. I believe that God equips people to help us through these situations. And not that God can't heal me in the blink of an eye, but I feel like part of the process and part of the testimony is actually going through all of this. Mm so that I can help other people. Cause I can't even imagine going through everything without God. Yeah. You know? And so, yeah, don't be ashamed of asking for help. Don't be ashamed if in the end you might need medication. It's fine. God created doctors as well. He created the herbs and the plants and everything that medication is made out of. So yeah, that's my story. Thank you, Cammie. I just, yeah. There are many people who would be willing to share your story with that kind of transparency and vulnerability. And I just want to say for everyone listening too, just like to be praying over you and your journey and in all of that. And so thank you so much. I know that was for at least one person, but I believe many people who are going to hear this. Amen. Okay. So wrapping up the other side, this other guy is sitting here as well. Let's hear, you know, so we have this whole intertwined story crazy what has been your healing side through all of this yeah share what's on your heart there so like we said there's the story of when i was in an accident but that was healing directed towards me so i think like a couple years ago there was a series of messages at our church being preached about like spiritual gifts and stuff like that and before i get into this i have to say I'm not here to say, okay, you're going to read the Bible and you know what? You're going to go out. Everybody's got the gift of healing. You're, you have to go out. No. Do what God leads you to do. That's the extent of what I can say about what I'm going to share right now isn't I did it because I can. I did it because I felt God was calling me to do it. So I guess the first story of healing that I was through was that I was in other than my personal healing was we were in that series and one of the spiritual gifts and there was this test which by the way it's a man-made test so again not like and it's it's kind of like a personality test Mm -hmm. but based off of biblical principles to see what spiritual gifts you have and ironically the first the first one was hope the faith the second one was healing and the third one was miraculous signs and i was like okay as in your giftings, your spiritual yeah. gifts? Those are like the three out of the five. I don't remember the other two. I guess one of them was prophecy, but not like prophesying in the future as much as like just saying what God told me to say, which all yeah. Christians are called to that anyway. But as I was thinking about this, I was like, okay, 
it makes sense with my past that these gifts, you know, were given to me, you know, in the sense that God brought me back. Mm-hmm. So I've had healing. I've had that in my life. But God, what do you want me to do with this knowledge? This, like, I just took this test. Is What do I do with it, you know? And we were at a jiu-jitsu practice in Brazil. And one of my friends, actually, uh, his name is Marcio. So Marcia and I chamamos. Ah, uh, yeah, we're just, gonna have to send them this story. Yeah. Like they were both an integral part of both of our stories. Okay. Nai totally accompanying me through darkest parts of ED, and Marcia mm-hmm. just discipling Gabe through all of it. Mm-hmm. Marcia was the one person when I got to my lightest, looked at me and said, "You don't look like yourself anymore." eat <laughs> it was like mm-hmm. yeah it, nobody had said that everyone was like oh congrats on losing weight wow. and he was like i can see the bones in your face eat a burger <laughs> yeah he was awesome so then he had already had some surgery in his leg and but he was recovered but the whole gym could hear it when his whole knee turned and popped and he couldn't walk he had to have and he's a big guy so he had to have like two people helping him walk and in that moment, God said, okay, you wanted a, a chance to see why I gave you these things, why I'm allowing you to use these gifts, then go and pray healing over his life. So for someone listening, I just want to be open to like everyone in the audience. Sometimes I think people are like, I don't feel like I hear God. When you're like, God said this to me, what did that feel like to you? So it's more like a one of the big things at our church in Brazil is nothing happens without a reason. So like... Camila had a dream a couple weeks before my accident, and my accident happened. And that's not to say, okay, we can see the future. But it's, I guess, you know that phrase, don't pray for rain if you're not preparing for the harvest? Mm -hmm. I guess don't ask questions if you're not willing to receive the answer. I asked a question. I said, God, what do you want me to do with these gifts? He goes, okay, I want you to use it right now. I mean, ironically, I hadn't thought about healing for ever, you know? Ever. And then the one week I say, God, what do you want me to use this gift for? He says, okay, use it right now. So it's more like a, an answer to a question that I previously asked in the near past. And it's weird because it's not like a voice. Like I said in my accident, mm-hmm. I didn't hear a voice telling me, but I felt something saying, dude, you got to go do this. And that same day, I felt something saying, you have to go pray healing over him. Needless to say, I didn't have the faith. Ironically, the number one gift, like the highest scoring gift that I got was faith and I didn't have it at the moment. And I didn't go pray for him in front of everybody like I should have. But then I felt really bad. And as he was walking to the car, or I guess people were helping him go to his car so he could go to the doctors, I said, Matsu, can I pray healing for you really quick? And he goes, sure. So I knelt down, touched his knee, and I said... This is going to sound really weird because I wasn't commanding anything, but this is kind of how the gift got this used This is where the language me. barrier comes yeah. in. No, no, no. It's, it's not the language barrier. It's the way I spoke. I didn't say, mm-hmm. God, please heal his leg. I said, in the name of Jesus. Be healed. I said, in the name of Jesus. Um, man, what is it? In your knee, it's ligaments? A yeah. note? Like yeah. your ACL is. T- yeah. I just, it was more like cartilage, get back together, but I didn't... Because you said this in Portuguese, is what you're saying? Yeah, I said okay. it in Portuguese. But I don't know if ligaments is a word. In, yeah, yeah okay. totally. So then I said, because I know I said ligaments, I said, 
ligaments, in the name of Jesus, ligaments rejoin. Kind of like when you hear somebody saying in the name of Jesus, leave, you know. Mm -hmm. And I said that and he started, like it wasn't 100% healed, but he didn't need the other people to like limp around now. And I said, can I just pray again? The same thing, ligaments heal. And he started, you know, limping less. And I did it one more time and he started running around and jumping with the jujitsu teacher's son wow. and playing around with him. And it was off the hook. I mean, because <laughs> what the heck am I supposed to do with this now? I mean, I have no reason to not have the faith anymore hmm. because now, I mean, I already shouldn't have had a reason, but now I haven't just read it in the Bible that healing happened on point, mm -hmm. but I've experienced it. And that was an amazing moment. It was an amazing moment of like strengthening my faith with God. And so then I think it was like two weeks later, I was at the church building and we were just there hanging out and Matsu comes to me and says, hey, I need your help. And I'm like, what? And he goes, just come with me. I'm like, okay, probably needs my help carrying something. So we're walking and again, if he had had to go to the doctors and had surgery on his knee, he probably wouldn't have been walking at that moment. So that was just another like, okay, it wasn't just a momentary, like adrenaline spike that allowed him to walk. It was God. Mm -hmm. And we get to the financial person of the church and she had been feeling pain all over her arms so bad that she couldn't, she had to type, she has to type a lot and she couldn't control her hands because her arms were shaking. Mm -hmm. And... He says, hey, Gabriel, remember when you prayed for me? And I'm like, yeah, okay, understanding a little more that now he's not just calling me to help. He thinks I can actually do this. And I'm like, okay, so I want you to pray over her again. Pray over her. And so I'm like, okay, God, you did it once. I can't do it, but you can. God, please help me. So I held her hands and I said, in the name of Jesus, pain leave. And God, heal her hands. And this one wasn't quite as instant. So we left after that moment. And about, I mean, I guess it was pretty soon. It was like 10 minutes later. Hmm. She comes walking and gives me a hug and says, I don't have any pain in my hands anymore. Like none, not just in my hands, in my arms. My shoulder's been hurting for a while. Not even that. I have no pain. And I was just like, Okay, God, use me where you want to use me. And honestly, it's not something I command. Like, I haven't had any other healing experiences after that. Like, Have you prayed for other people and had them not be healed? You prayed over me one I, I did once. It was actually, ironically, it was Camila. She dropped a, a barbell on her feet. And so... Ow. It was yeah. a twenty. It was a fifteen twenty kilo bar. Just went like straight across. Yeah, it's both about a forty pound bar, forty it something was pound bar. Dumb. But anyway, so after those two experiences, it was just like, okay, God, I recognize, a, I recognize a couple things. Like one, this gift isn't mine, so I can't just use it when I want to. I mean, hmm. for those who aren't seeing me, I have a pretty big like cut on my hand that I did yesterday during work, and it's not just like a, okay, dear Jesus. Hand heal, skin re okay, no. It's not like a, I mean, even if you read biblically, the amount of stories of self-healing are pretty much like 
Zero. Zero. Mm. You know, where healing is used to... Interesting. I've never looked at self-healing in the Bible. It's because it's a yeah. it's a gift that God gives to expand his name and his kingdom mm. on earth. It's not something you use for yourself. It's something you use to expand God's name. Which is why sometimes, I mean not sometimes, whenever I tell this story about healing my friend's knee, I regret not having done it in front of all the not-Christian guys from that gym because Mm. that's what God wanted me to do. And I'm so happy that God still healed his knee. But the purpose that he sent me there to heal his knee was to expand his kingdom. Mm. And so that's one thing, I guess, if I were to wrap up healing and that in a nutshell, I'd say, if God tells you to do it, don't wait, Mm. do it. Because the the heavy lifting the healing is what he's going to do god's the one who heals he just wants you there to be the vessel to bring his kingdom to somebody to bring the the physical aspect of healing and love right there mm-hmm. and he's going to do the supernatural healing and so it's, it's not maybe not even about the healing it's about his kingdom and wholeness exactly even healing is about kingdom mm-hmm, mm-hmm. There's nothing, I mean, even my story, like I said, God's used my accident story for me to help so many people and not because I'm great and I get to use this story, but because he's great and they get to see him through the eyes of somebody who was supposed to be dead. Mm -hmm. And I had mentioned almost going to jail and that gap year Mm -hmm. that I had in that year, one of the people we were ministering to was a homeless person and she had just had a really bad moment with her husband where he broke a plate over her head and the scar kind of like was there and she didn't really find that much worth in herself because Mm -hmm. she had that scar and ironically I'd never thought of shaving my head but for that gap year I did Mm -hmm. I also used it as a way to get closer to the girl that I'm now dating she (laughs) wanted to buzz my head and I'm like you know what let's do it (laughs) that's great but yeah and in that process my scar was totally visible because I have this Uh, The scar on the front side of my head that's visible even when I have hair. But I have a scar on the side that goes all the way up leading up to that scar. It's like how much of your skull was missing? About... Like a hand size? Yeah, about a hand size. Mm -hmm. But on a six-year-old. A six-year-old hand size. So about a a closed portion. Yeah. Yeah. And I was able to take... It it was also kind of cold. So I took my beanie off and showed her my scar and said, when I was six, I had an accident. And there are lots of moments where I ask, why would I, why did God put me through that? Or why did I have that accident? And I believe that it's for moments like this, where I can come to you and show you that your scars tell a story, but you're beautiful even with your scars and your, and God loves you even though you have scars. And because not all scars, not all pain is without, let's say, worth. Because from pain, you become what, is it John Burke who wrote Wounded Healer? Mm, I can't remember. But Dad mentions this yeah. kind of stuff in his book as well. He yeah. talks about Wounded Healer. And so there's this concept of Wounded Healer where you can, there's certain wounds that can only be healed by somebody who's gone through the same thing. Mm-hmm. Or somebody who, you know has that same kind of life story. Yeah. 
And so in the same way that you're wounded right now, someday God will use that wound to heal somebody. Amen. And so that's kind of like the way I wrap up healing is, and the way I wrap up all this is there is a purpose for everything. Nothing happens without God's consent or God's planning. And so if you're going through a moment where you're not yet healed, trust that God's going to get you through that desert. And if you're in a moment where you've been healed and you don't know what to do now that you're healed, I guess pray and ask. But the thing is, a lot of times people say, well, I don't hear God. Well, he's always speaking to us. But there's a phrase that I like to say. I've said it quite a, a few times in Titans, which is our youth group. Mm-hmm. The devil shouts because he's far away and he needs to yell to get you to hear him. But the Lord, he whispers in your ear because he's right next to you. Mm-hmm. And so if you're able to quiet yourself and drown out the devil yelling, who's trying to get your attention. That's when you can hear what God wants to tell you. I mean, it's like Elijah or Elisha, right? Th- mm-hmm. That it's not in the fire, it's not in the heat, the it wind, the breeze, the small whisper. Yeah, mm-hmm. I-, I got that probably in, a little wrong. But. Oh no! Well, in Portuguese, it's the brisa suave, like a soft mm-hmm. breeze. And we used to use Marsu mm-hmm. used to use that passage to calm the kids down in mm-hmm. kids' church. He would talk about Elijah and how there was fire, there was an earthquake, there, there was we go. all earthquake. these things. That's what I missed. And then, but God wasn't in any of those. He was in the praise. Yeah. <laughs> so, so good, you guys. What have we not touched on? Is there something each of you can have a chance to share? Final thoughts? Is there something you would want to say that we have not gotten to? I guess one thing is that we learned, a, we talked a lot about Camille and her process, but I guess as a brother who went through that with her, you know, who accompanied her is if you think something's wrong, don't stay quiet about it. Don't obviously don't spread it around, but as somebody who's accompanying somebody who's going through self-harm and depression, it's not your job to heal them, to completely like get rid of all their problems. Cause Nobody ever gets rid of everybody's problems. But it is your job to be there and support and be there and tell the people who need to know when you know they're not going to have the, the strength to at that moment. Because it's been a lot of moments where I've seen brothers and sisters where they got home and they knew something was up, but they didn't tell anybody. And then they got home after school and their siblings hanging in the mm. corridor. That's happened like three times just at our church in Brazil. Ugh. And so if you know something's going on, don't stay quiet because you're there for that reason. You're there to help them get through this and ask for help where you know that they're not strong enough yet to do so. And I don't know. I'd say like we talked about, you know, Gabe being the miracle child and then I was kind of, I felt kind of backseat to that, but then I guess things kind of flipped. Like when I left for for Bible college, he went to camp the next year and everybody knew him as Cammie's brother, hmm. which was totally foreign yeah, to me. Like Gabe were, told me about you it. You were amazing at everything. Like, she got like all the prizes that year, camper of the year, she got this, yeah. that, okay. But then the year she went to Australia, me and my best friend, we decided, okay, you know, we're going to go big or go home. 
and we got like three of the awards and I finally got called Gabriel. But the thing is, it isn't about who's in the front seat or who's in the back seat. Mm -hmm. At the end of the day, it's we're about... We're both in the same car. We're both in the... <laughs> what? Yeah. Wow. That just came that out was, of nowhere. At, at the end of the day, we're both in the same car. We're both going to the same place. And we're both brother and sister. And mm -hmm. the important thing isn't who's the miracle child. Who's in front? Who's in the back seat? But it's... I guess we're both miracle childs yeah. at this point. But who's child's there for the <laughs> children? <laughs> but who's there for the other? You know? Mm -hmm. When you can... I don't know. I guess the best thing I can compare it to at the moment, because I'm just remembering a bunch of stuff like this, is like on a volleyball court, you need to trust everybody who's around you mm -hmm. because you can only touch the ball once. So if you don't trust them to do what they need to do, you can't go on. So I guess to trust the person enough to have your back, even when it means defying their own friends, which honestly, it's easier to be on my friend's side than Camila's side because we're brother and sister, but a lot of moments I spend more time with my friends than I do with Camila. Mm -hmm. But to know that no matter how, med how much I have friends, I'll always take Camila's side. I'll always back her up. And same, like we had points in time where life wasn't like that, but like even in our most argumentative times, there was the back drop of, but we still got each other's back. Like we will fight a lot tooth and nail at home but if anyone says anything about Gabe, I will punch them in the face. It's like, kind of it like, that, like that, like that movie scene. Movie. Nobody's allowed to talk to, about Camila but me. You know, <laughs> we're much. like. And I mean, now we're older, we're more mature, and so I'd say like, siblings, please invest in good relationships with your siblings because they're the ones you're gonna have to sit with at the Thanksgiving meals whenever. You guys get together or you guys might be roommates at some point or you know whatever and I know we have family that isn't like blood relative you know we got friends that we called our siblings and whatnot but it there's nothing no one will understand me as well as Gabe does and no one will understand Gabe as well as I do because we were the ones that grew up together in the we weren't quite the missionary kids but we also weren't quite the locals we were kind of in the middle and yeah, I don't know. I'm just glad to not be in Montana like alone. I'm glad we came together. Yeah. Yeah. All right, you guys. Thank you. You're. I'm so feel. I, this is such a Christianese term, but I feel so blessed to have gotten to hear your stories today, and I'm so excited for other people to hear them too. We're happy to share. Yeah. Well, I hope this episode has given you a lot of food for thought, a lot of food for prayer, both in your own life and for the Latham family as you listen to their stories. And I hope that this episode gives you an even broader view of God's healing and his heart and how multifaceted it is and how much joy he has when he looks at you, when he dotes on you, when he gets to work his healing in your life in whatever way that is. I am personally praying for freedom from whatever bondage you're facing today. And we will see you here again next week. Thanks for being here, you guys.